if you wanted um, a, a summary of the heart of Christianity, you could hardly do better than the three readings this morning and the psalm. Uh, that, that everything you need to get at what Christianity is about at its core is contained within these three readings. So the danger for me this morning is to go on far too long because there's a lot there. There's so much buried in that set of readings. And we can start, of course, with the tattoo, you know, John 3.16. That's what Christians put on their tattoos, their bumper stickers. For God so loved the world that God gave his only begotten son that all who believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is, this is it. It's the heart of Christianity. And they buried it in Lent 4 of all places. So we'll get back to it in Holy Week. But here it is in, in sort of in the nub. So the, 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 the problem, of course, with this dense summation of Christianity is the question of, well, that's nice, but what does it mean? How do you unpack it? There's just so much to unpack, and it, it's probably not too much of a stretch to claim that the different kinds of Christianity that you uh, discover are different interpretations of these same words and ideas and vocabulary. So saved by grace through faith, uh, that all who look upon Jesus will be saved, what is, what is salvation, what's the problem from which we're saved, and so forth. And so the whole question of what God is doing, what God did in Christ, what faith is, that, that requires interpretation. And so we interpret it as best we can, and we get different schools of thought. So for what it's worth, today you get mine. Now, so... We're saved. We have the, the gospel reading, and take this home and read it a few times. There's, there's a lot there, and I can't cover everything. But in John's gospel, Jesus points back to the story of Moses and the snake. And you've got the story of the, wild, the Jews in the wilderness, and they've grumbled against God, and they've abandoned their trust in God, and as a consequence, they're not protected against the poisonous snakes that come against them, and they come back to God, and they say, we're sorry, we trust you. And so then God says to Moses, get a snake, stick it on a stick, and hold it up, and whoever looks at the stick will be saved of snake bite. And so a miracle happens, and they're saved. And, you know, this is one of the many stories of the Israelites wandering through the wilderness where this particular story happens again and again. They're trusting in God, and then they, oh, I don't know if we trust God, we're going to go our own way. Then bad things happen, and they turn back to God, and God rescues them and carries on in this process. And as the Israelites wander through the wilderness, they learn to trust in God. So the word trust is key because when we talk back about John 3.16 and we talk about believing in Jesus, for a lot of people that means some idea that you have in your head and that's a very bad translation. Um, unfortunately, we've put it into English in this word belief for so long it, you can't change it, but the underlying word in the Greek is about trust, not about an idea. So when you say, I believe that such and such is true, that's a cognitive thing, and that's not what we're talking about. It's more, I believe in you. That, that's the kind of belief that we're talking about here. Do we actually trust? And so it links everything that is being claimed in John's gospel about Jesus Christ, links back to that story of trust about the Israelites in the wilderness. And so what is being claimed here by Jesus in John's gospel is that if you trust in me then you will be saved just as the Israelites were saved in the, in the desert from snakebite. Which leads to the next question. Saved from what? 
And in John's gospel, Jesus is always talking metaphorically. I mean, he's, he, he, he's at pains to say, please don't take me literally. But he says, I'm saving you from death. Now, it's not literal. It does not mean that if you believe in Jesus, you won't die. You'll live a nice long life and die surrounded by your children at 98 years old. That's not it. It's about some other meaning of death and life. And in John's gospel, Jesus is at pains to use these words in a way to say, I'm talking metaphorically. When I say life, I mean something different than just not dying, than, than, than your heart still pumping and your brain still functioning. That's some, it's something different. It's a qualitative reality. It's about a way of being that is a way of life as opposed to a way of being that may be alive in a technical biological sense, but is death in a spiritual experiential sense. So you can be a zombie or you can really be alive. And, and the problem is we all would rather be zombies. That's the problem from which we need to be saved. And the, and the word again, which requires a lot of interpretation is sin. And you, know, you can see how there are 17 sermons packed in here. So the sermon on sin is that sin has, again, it's an English word that has come to mean a whole bunch of things. It usually means sex or chocolate. Um, <laughs> honestly, honestly, in English, that's what it means. And, and it's gotten away from the original meaning, which is that thing which is close to our hearts, which is good and evil. It's, it's the moral framework that we're talking about. And so, so when we're talking about what we're saved from is we're saved from immorality, from, from this way of being, which is a way of darkness, of death, of pain, of suffering, of violence, of hurtfulness, that all the things that we look at the world and we go, I've lost my faith in humanity, that's the stuff that we're really talking about. So we're saved from that. And in, you know, I mean, it's true in every generation. I don't think this generation is any more sinful than any other, but how about them millennials, eh? Right? We talk about the world the way it is today. Oh, fake news, social media, um, outrage economy, the death of long-form analysis. What, you know, pick your, pick your poison. What, it's happening. And, and it is sin. This is the old Christian word for what we're talking about. Human nature in its in its negative sense. Well, that's just human nature. And that is the problem from which we are saved as Christians. And when I say we're saved, no real Christian will tell you, that's it, I'm done. I, I turn my heart to Jesus and I don't sin anymore at all. No sane person says that. And if someone says that, they're selling you something. So, so the, this notion of salvation is again a complicated notion and in, in reality, it's a, it's a way of being that is always in process. So, I mean, I, I don't think my story is particularly special. It's, it's almost, um, uh, almost dull, but I can remember myself the way I was when I was 13 or 14. And I can, I can imagine the person I would have been had I not committed myself to Christianity as a way of life to not have trust in Jesus, not follow Jesus. And if I had not accepted those principles as the guiding principles of my life, I can imagine the person I would have been. Uh, probably a lot financially richer, but a lot poorer in every other way. 
And I can tell you sincerely that I have zero regrets about, and here it gets evangelical sounding, committing my life to Christ. And I'm afraid of that language because it's been so cheapened by how much it's been yelled around and has so little connection with what that moral transformation that should be at the heart of what we're talking about. That's that movement from sin to righteousness, from darkness to light, from death to life. That that's, that's real, that's moral transformation. That's the turning away from what destroys humanity and turning towards what feeds and nourishes humanity. And the, that, that, that movement, like looking at the snake, we look at the crucifixion of Jesus. And so here you have the whole business of suffering that gets tied into what salvation is all about. That, that trusting in and acceptance of suffering instead of fleeing from it as being part of that transformative process that finally liberates us from sinfulness and death. So, so the, the business of having trust in Jesus is what Christianity claims is the ultimate solution to the problem of sin. And it's always partial, temporary, uh, in process, in the works. And yet I would never want to be the person I would have been had I not been on this journey. So I can say that I was saved. I can imagine who I could have been and I can look at who I am and I'd say, I was saved from that life, so I am saved. I can't point to a date on the calendar because I've been being saved ever since I started that journey. And it probably started before, I, I know it started before I was 13. Um, I can point to a few days on the calendar, but, but it's been a gradual process of becoming saved. So I am saved and I'm becoming saved and God's not done with me yet because I, I'm still a sinner. I'm still stuck in this reality that is part of me and part of you and part of us together. And, and yet that business of having trust in Jesus, and what does that mean? How does that cash out? How does that play? It means reading about Jesus, looking at the example of his life, and looking at the arc of crucifixion and resurrection as the model for how our lives go. So when I became intentionally a Christian, when I, when I adopted it, for myself, it was a matter of adopting the way of the cross as my way of life. Again, this is all classic Christian language. We need to learn how to talk Christian if we're going to live Christian. But the important thing is the living part. So I, I say the way of the cross has become a way of life. What does that meant? That has meant that when I get hurt, my first instinct is to hurt back and I stop it. That's, I accept the pain. I don't perpetuate it. And in so doing, it becomes transformed into a moment that is redemptive and transformative for me and for the person who has sinned against me. And so the cycle of violence, the cycle of sin, stops in that one little way, in that one little decision that I made. And my life is a series of all of those decisions, and I win some and I lose some, honestly. But that commitment to keep returning back to Christ and trusting that this way is a way of life is the only reason I'm still going. So you ask me today, I go, I'm saved. You ask me tomorrow, maybe I'm a little less saved than I thought I was. Um, but this whole journey has a trajectory towards healing and wholeness, which I can feel in my bones, having done it for many, many years. So I can now speak from experience. And 
like the Israelites who journey through the wilderness. At the beginning, it's just wow, and I'm just going to trust because I can feel something. And as we go along, we stumble, we fall, we get back up, we're rescued again, we keep going. And this is the journey. This is what it means to believe in Jesus. And we can't do it alone. Final point, I promise. Cannot do it. We do it together. That the, the, the salvation that is talked about in the New Testament is not fundamentally an individual salvation. It is a corporate salvation. We need saving. It's not just me that needs saving. We all need saving. I need saving in my relationships, in my family, in my community. And what we are as a church is a community of people that are all trying to do it and supporting each other and calling each other to account when we stumble. And we cannot do it by ourselves. So we need each other. Like the Israelites needed each other in the wilderness, like the disciples needed each other. Because at some level, you are Jesus to me, and I am Jesus to you. And so my faith in Jesus is my faith in you, and your faith in me. And only with that basis can we continue to work together as the people of God and share this way of life, this way of salvation, with those around us who need it. What we have is what the world needs. Not because we want to get notches in our belt for how many souls we've saved today, but because we know what we have found and are finding. And we would just want that for the people that we love. And the, and the more we are able to see our neighbor as Jesus, the more we are able to love them and want what's best for them, including the best of what we've discovered. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.